Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. I tell you, this is one of the most fun films I've seen in a while, and I can't wait to talk to the to the directors of this film, it's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Uh, when uh, Portland, Oregon lost its longtime minor league affiliate, Bing Russell, who briefly played a ball, play ball professionally before enjoying a successful Hollywood acting career, bought the territory. This is an important point. He bought the territory and formed a single A team to operate outside the confines of Major League Baseball. When they took the field in 1973, the Mavericks were the only independent team in America uh, and started with two strikes against them. We'll get into all of this stuff. We are joined today by the co-directors of this film, uh, the Battered Bastards of Baseball, co-directors Chapman Russell and, I mean, I'm sorry, Chapman Way and McLean Way. Welcome. Hi. To, hi. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to be on. Thank you, Chapman. I meant to say Chapman Russell Way and McLean Way. I totally <laughs> That's butchered fine. that. Either way, either one works. <laughs> It's good to catch myself there. Well, thank you for being here. Now, um, I, let me let's just get started with the basics here. Um, it's important. I think it's important to point out that you are uh, uh, a, um, related to Bing Russell. Tell us a little bit about your connection, uh, Chapman. Yeah, so Bing Russell is one of the one of the main characters of the film, and he's our grandfather. Um, and we grew up about four houses down from him in Thousand Oaks, which is about. 45 minutes north of Los Angeles, um, and he was a, a, a you know big influence in our lives, and we were very close to him. And but we never really knew that too much about this independent baseball team that he owned up in Portland until we kind of started digging around and doing research about four years ago. Um, and we kind of uncovered this incredible, never be foretold, kind of forgotten sports story. Uh, and so I uh, I uh, talked to my wife who produced the film and my brother who co-directed it, and we went off and, and made this documentary. M- McLean, uh, I understand the sort of just rummaging through the garage. Did you find you have some amazing footage in this film? Uh, tell me a little bit of what where that where that was and how you how you got your hands on it. Yeah, when we first started out, you know, I, I didn't dream that there would be kind of the amount of footage that we were able to pull. You know. Um, like Chapman said, this was kind of a forgotten story. So um, when we first came up to Portland, we, and we told people we were doing a baseball documentary. You know, they, they, they would assume that we were doing it on the Portland Beavers, which was a, a baseball team that's been here for, uh, you know, probably 90 out of 100 years in baseball Portland history. And the Mavericks were kind of just here for over five years in the 70s. So not too many people knew about it. But basically, yeah, what we did was a combination. Um, we were up in Portland going through uh, news archives up here at the local Portland news stations, kind of getting our hands dirty in their basements and, and, and pulling just really great 60-millimeter news footage that, that, that really holds up really well. Yeah. And then, yeah, at, at, at our grandfather's house, too, um, he kind of hired a personal little cinematographer to kind of follow him around and film a few of the more important games. And uh, pretty late into the cut, we found a, a, a film reel in our grandmother's garage called 1977 Mavs Championship Game. Um, and that's kind of the last sequence. Well, yeah. one of the last sequences of the film uh, where you kind of see uh, just the game in its, almost in its entirety. All right. Now, I've done a poor job of actually, let's back up and explain what happened. Your your grandfather, Bing Russell, the, also the, your, the father of uh, Kurt Russell, who we all know from many, many films, um, uh, is uh, ha- also a successful actor, uh, was on Bonanza for, what, 13, 14 years? Uh, yeah. As he said, uh, the, the sheriff who never solved a crime. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, Chavin, tell me, so let's go through this kind of chronology. He is basically, uh, Bonanza's been canceled, and so uh, go, yeah, go from there. Yeah, and, and even kind of before that, as a child, oh, yes. he kind of grew up uh, as like a mascot slash bat boy for the New York Yankees, kind of in their glory days, under the guidance of Joe DiMaggio and Sue Gehrig and Les Gomez. So he had this really storied childhood as a mascot for the Yankees, and it's kind of where his passion and almost obsession with baseball kind of developed, and uh, he actually played professional baseball um, as a 19-year-old, and then when he was injured, then he moved to Hollywood, kind of became kind of like a B-list character actor, um, and his kind of claim to fame was that he was killed over 126 times in different <laughs> Western films and TV shows. So um, after about 13 seasons on Bonanza, Bonanza finally folded, um, and being kind of found himself kind of wandering around, not too excited about life or doing very much. And his son, Kurt, who you mentioned is an actor, um, kind of talked his dad into following his first love and his first passion, which was baseball. Um, and it just happened that the Portland Territory opened up in 1973, and Kurt talked his dad into, into buying the territory for $500 and, and starting the only independent baseball team in America. At the, at the time that they this happened, uh, the uh, Portland team that was there previously had left to go to Spokane. Uh, attendance was down. Interest in I mean, the people of Portland were upset that they were they were leaving. This was really their one of their prime. I mean, obviously they still had the Trailblazers, but this was one of the major attractions for sports fans in Portland. But, yeah, there were, there was kind of like two feelings at the time. There were half I think half of the feeling was. A lot of the town was very insulted that the Beavers, who had been there for 70 years, would leave for a city that's one-third its size, Spokane, Washington, and how could they do this, and it was a betrayal. And then the other half of the town, I think there was just a lot of apathy towards baseball. Um, they had kind of grown tired of watching the team play. No one really connected with the players anymore. There was a loss of identity, and people kind of stopped going to the game. So there was kind of two feelings going on at the time in Portland. But, but McLean, for... Um for being this worked out beautifully because and we didn't even touch on the this, the instructional videos that he was doing with Kurt uh, on baseball obviously his his devotion to baseball goes is a lifetime of devotion but those yeah. instructional videos were remarkable yeah no absolutely yeah he definitely uh, you know like like my brother said you know baseball is a huge passion in his life and i think that uh he kind of took that passion with the Mavericks he obviously had a great sense of showmanship um, he definitely knew how to put on a good show, and so he kind of married these two. Like it was kind of it was a baseball game that you were attending, but it was also something much more fun, and it was a little bit of a carnival. And but they also won baseball games, and re, you know the city of Portland really adopted them. And I think what what why the Mavs were so successful is because I mean one of the big hurdles of being an independent baseball team um, is that you don't have access to the player draft, so you right. don't have access to kind of quote unquote the best players coming out of high school and college. So. You you have to find and scout and pay your own players, and so Bing kind of came up with the idea for open tryouts, like right. public open tryouts. Anyone can come out and try out for the team. And what he found was a lot of guys that, for one reason or another, were cut loose from other organized baseball teams. You know, these were guys that, for one reason or another, were not going to play Major League Baseball. That's what the organization thought. And I think maybe it's because they didn't quite have the skills, or maybe their personality was a little bit different. Maybe they wore their hair long and grew a beard, did drugs. But they certainly fit in with the Mavericks, um, and I think that being kind of put together this, this this group of guys that would not have gotten a second chance to play professional baseball, um, and just their success was remarkable. I mean, like we just touched on, you know, yeah. they broke attendance records 
almost in the entire minor leagues that year. Um, in 1977, they had one of the highest winning percentages in all of professional baseball from the major leagues to the lowest level of baseball. Uh, their winning percentage was six six seven, which they won two out of three games, yeah. uh, which in baseball is pretty much unheard of. Yeah, um, and I, this is somebody who played. I played. I played baseball since I was seven years old. I was one of those guys. You see these guys in these beer leagues, that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that are you. God, well, that guy's really good. Why is you know why didn't he make it? And he's one of those guys that for whatever reason you know that he at some point he washed out in a minor league situation or whatever it was. These were the guys who showed up for these tryouts. What do you have? Three hundred people show up from all over the country. In fact, somebody from South Africa showed up. Uh, quite a collection of people showed up for that tryout. Some great footage of that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that when you are an independent baseball team, it's looked at as a pretty huge disadvantage because uh, basically the deal is is that you develop players for major league baseball clubs, and then those those major league baseball clubs kind of pay your bills and yeah. they make sure that you stay financially solvent. Yeah. Um, and when you go independent, you're, you're skewing that whole system and you're kind of telling major league baseball teams, I don't need you to pay my bills, I can make it on my own. And, but you can kind of turn that into an, to an advantage because when you kind of sign that contract with major league baseball teams, your players are constantly being moved up and down. So yeah. the fans of your city, they don't really get to identify with your third baseman or your first baseman because... You could be sent up to double-A baseball and triple-A baseball, or you could be sent down if you're a double-A baseball team to the single-A team. But being independent, being had complete control over his own players, and there was no chance that they were going to get called up to a higher level of baseball. Um, so the fans really, you know, season round got to really know these guys and, and, and really formed an identity with all right. of them. Right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the, the co-directors of the film The Battered Bastards of Baseball. That would be Chapman, Russell Way, and McLean Way. And to your point, uh, you know, what Bing was able, your, Bing Russell was able to create with the Mavericks was uh, a sense both on and off the field of a, uh, of a connection to the community that they were in. And these guys were obviously thrilled with a, an opportunity, another chance, another opportunity to do what they love to do. And that is, comes across a lot in this film is how much the people that were on the team, Bing, the management, love baseball they love the game they're not in they're not as interested in the product as they are in the game itself and that's the thing for someone like myself baseball fan since i was three years old understands and appreciates and where let's get into it in the last maybe a couple of minutes we have here the powers that be within the major league baseball structure were initially shocked and didn't know quite what seemed to not know what to do and then eventually uh, uh chapman describe a little bit of what happened uh, surrounding uh, the Mavericks in in the last few years of their existence. Sure. So, like you said, yeah, when the team first started off, it was really seen kind of as a joke um, by Major League Baseball and, and organized and organized baseball. They thought there was no way that Bean could put together a competitive team. And so, within the first season and second season, when they started winning and winning by a lot, they won their division their very first year. Then they soon the fans started coming. They started breaking attendance records and. What became a joke all of a sudden became a big thorn in the side for organized baseball because other independent teams started popping up around the country and kind of emulating and replicating what Bing was doing in Portland as an independent team. And so Bing was kind of showing that there's another business model. There's another way to do professional baseball than just the minor league farm system. And so it did become a thorn in the side for organized baseball. And I think they started seeing all all the attendance records that were being broken mm-hmm. and the way baseball works is they kind of write their own rules, and 
they're the only professional sport that still has their antitrust exemption um, and their monopoly rights. And so basically in 1978, when the Mavericks were at their most successful, organized baseball came in and, and took the territory away from, from being in the Mavericks, and they put their own team back in Portland. And that happened, they put the Portland Beavers back in there, which was the same team that had left in, in 1972. Um, and so when, as filmmakers, I, I didn't know too much about kind of the inside baseball rules and the antitrust exemption. And so when we started researching it, I think it was a very interesting topic to us to kind of explore through this great kind of independent underdog story. And, you know, why is organized baseball allowed to just move teams out of territories and what gives them that right? And should they have that right? And I think it opens up a lot of interesting questions, um, yeah. Kind of about how baseball operates. Yeah, and for a game that's America's game, right? America uh, essentially invented baseball. It's our game. It seems Absolutely. it seems so un-American and unfair that it this does. that to have a monopoly, an unchallenged monopoly, sanctioned by the Supreme Court. But Bing has a, a measure of revenge. It's in the film. I don't want to give it away. I I just this is such a fun film to watch on so many levels. Even if you're not a huge baseball fan, you can appreciate kind of the outlaw spirit of the spirit of uh, of uh, what, let's see what works that Bing brought to the game. Uh, uh, McLean, what did you? What most surprised you about your grandfather in, in researching and doing this film? What was the thing that jumped out at you? You didn't know about him. Yeah, I think that um, you know, we I knew that he had a storied life. We were very close with him, so just kind of being at his house a lot and seeing the photos that he had on the wall with the actors that he acted with and the baseball legends that he was photographed with, it was certainly fun. So I we kind of had I had a vague idea of his life. But the Portland Mavericks were just kind of a chapter in his life, and our family didn't know too much about it. Um, but kind of digging out the story of the struggle that Bing kind of went through to make this team and make this team work and the success that he enjoyed. I mean, even a lot of baseball players who played for the Mavericks didn't really know about it because they kind of just showed up at the ballpark and played. So kind of talking to people and kind of unearthing this kind of conflict um, and struggle that Bing went through was, 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 was certainly something that I had no idea about. Chapman, how about yourself? Is any there anything that jumps out at you that you just uh, surprised you about your grandfather? Um, yes, I, it's kind of similar to what to what Max said, but uh, really the, the challenge that he was up against. Yeah, uh, I think that you know a lot of people just kind of like correlate the Mavericks as like a bad news bear story, and there's, and there's definitely that element of the story. Um, but kind of one man going up against the system and kind of being the first person to kind of take Major League Baseball to court and to arbitration and to challenge them on their laws and their rules. And um, I think was kind of really interesting for me and something that I knew nothing about. Um, so kind of uncovering that part of the story was, was kind of what was most fascinating to me as his grandson and as a filmmaker. Well, I'll tell you what, on a personal level, we'll just wrap up on this. I wish I had been able to meet and spend time with your grandfather. This every- <laughs> it was very centric, very larger than life. He, he sounds like an amazing, remarkable guy, and and I think your film is as much a great story about the Portland Mavericks as it is uh, a very nice love letter to your grandfather. And he just seemed like a just I I, I would have loved to have spent time with him talking <laughs> yeah, about it was, baseball. It was a fun fun dude to get a beer with. And then also it's uh, it's coming out in uh, theaters today in Los Angeles and New York, and it'll be uh, wide on Netflix for for everyone else who, who wants to see it. There you go. I was want to get to get to that. It's on Netflix. You can get that right today on Netflix. I didn't know what. The, I'm sorry. Help me out. The theaters in Los Angeles. Do you? Do you? It's in uh, the Atlanta Lemley Music Hall. Okay. Um, around those 
on right on Wilshire, yeah, Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard. There, uh-huh. there you go on Wilshire. Great theater. See it. Check it out. This is such a fun movie. People, go see this thing. Check it out on Netflix. You just it is a great story, well told. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being a part of Film School. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you a lot. Take care. Bye bye. Have a good day. Bye. You too. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.